My battery died, I think, halfway through service this morning, Luke, and uh, I didn't realize that. So, if you was wondering what happened, that was all me. Isaiah 30, in verse number 20, Isaiah 30, in verse number 20. Let's read a couple of verses, actually, this, this afternoon. Here in Isaiah, then we're going to skip over to a, uh, another place in the scriptures. But Isaiah chapter number 30 and verse number uh, 20. Let's just go up just a little bit. Maybe verse number 18, okay? The Bible says now, And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. What a great truth that is, isn't it? Blessed are all they that wait for him. Uh, we are told that so many times in the scriptures. In fact, I was just reading this morning in my daily devotions in the Gospel of Matthew how we're to wait on the Son of God for his soon return. Amen? We're to be waiting on God and uh, resting in him, trusting in him, waiting on him. That's a key component of the Christian life is waiting on the Lord. And that's uh, not our message this morning, but that is a blessed truth that we all need to let sink down into our ears. And uh, a good promise, too. We're blessed if we will wait on God. He says in 19, he says, For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Now shall weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. What another great promise that is, isn't it? God will be very gracious unto our cries. He will answer thee when he hears it. He shall hear it and he will answer thee. Now here is our text. He says, And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction... Yet shall, not thy, uh, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. Now take your Bibles, if you will, uh, a couple of our, uh, books over to the right, and uh, we'll find ourselves thumbing over to the book of Amos. Amos, I've kept you in the mind of prophets today. Uh, Amos chapter number 8. Amos chapter number 8. Look, if you will, in verses number 11 and 12. Amos 8, 11 and 12. Notice what he says here. He says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, look at this, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, from north even to the east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Wow. That is a great condemnation, isn't it? It's a great judgment. Looking for the word of God. I want to speak to you this afternoon, just for a few minutes, I'm really not going to keep you too long, actually, this afternoon on this one little subject of that parents should teach their children about God. Parents should teach their children about God. And I'm so glad that uh, John, unbeknownst to me, would read this letter about discipleship. And uh, discipleship is a form of parenting, in a way, when you really think about it. The discipler is the parent to those that he is to the one he is discipling, uh, Paul uses that analogy in his letters. He calls himself the father of many of the churches there. He was their spiritual father. 
and um, a discipler is a spiritual father. He's one that is there to disciple. First uh, John even tells us that, does he not? He refers to fathers, and he refers to uh, young men, and he refers to those as children. Uh, so there are different there are different different places in our Christian life where we're at. Uh, we might be a mentor. We might be a father to a younger Christian. As I saw the picture myself, it seems very obvious to me that Lou is much older than Brother Staley, uh, much older. But in his faith, uh, Brother Staley is much older than Lou. You say, well, he was saved a lot earlier than he was. That doesn't matter. You see, he was not able to grow in his faith. But you know what? One of the greatest disciples that God has given to people are their parents, their real physical parents. Now, maybe you don't have a parent to disciple you, and you need somebody else, and we all understand those situations. But maybe you're a parent this afternoon, and uh, God has given you the unique task of teaching your children about the Word of God. As you look around the country, you might be easy to find out that many churchgoers today, uh, it seems like, don't have very many convictions, let alone beliefs. It seems that uh, perhaps we live in what Amos calls spiritual famine. Spiritual famine. We see that especially on the teenage level. We see that when many young adults today are involved with gangs, drugs, um, a great amount of, uh, a, a very sad amount of young ladies that are involved, that are teenagers in prostitution. It happens, it's happening all over the place. Murders and even suicide. Oh, it seems like if we were not careful that we would all think that we have completely lost touch with the generation that is coming up. They might even seem unreachable. But I'm here to tell you today that teenagers and young adults are the perfect candidates for salvation, folks. They're the perfect candidates for salvation. They're the perfect candidates to teach about the Word of God. Brother Nathan, I refer back to him whenever he was preaching on Friday night to our teenagers. He said, it would be good if you guys were able to get this now. He said, because when you get old, you get stubborn. You don't learn anything anymore. And uh, that's what happens a lot of times to older people. They don't listen. They've, they're stuck in their ways. Um, but the beautiful thing about having a young mind is that it's still able to receive not just untruths, but it's also able to receive some truth. So we need to be careful that we don't write off the younger generation. You say, they don't listen to the same music that I listen to, or they don't look the same that I look, or they don't act the same that I act, or they're, they're into this, or they're into that, or, or whatever it might be, and, and I just don't understand them. You know what? I know somebody that does. His name is Jesus. He understands them. And the way that you're going to be able to communicate uh, the truths that you need to to them is through God's Word. Sometimes I think young adults and kids and even children get a bad reputation in our day and age today. But in all reality, uh, a lot of that could probably be changed by some good teaching. The reason why you have... Uh, oftentimes bad discipline is because you don't have anybody to discipline. It's interesting as you read um, some of the history of West Point 
Uh, West Point had some very unique individuals that went through that place. Um, one of those uh, was uh, General MacArthur there. Uh, who fought there in the Pacific. Uh, President Eisenhower did and everything. Many, many went through there. But one of the interesting facts about West Point is this, is that at that prestigious college there, is that sometimes you would get a dean of students that was not uh, very disciplined himself. And what would happen is over the course of three, four, or five years is that you would find you would almost raise up a whole entire cadet class that were un disciplined. And they'd get into the army and the captains and sergeants would, be say, would try to be giving them orders and they didn't understand what was going on with these West Point grads. And it would always leak back up to the top. They'd have to relieve him or from their post, from their position and find somebody else. Amos may be true of what is said today. That we are truly living in a day where the Lord God can say in our land that I have sent a famine, a famine not of bread nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of, of the Lord, of hearing the words of the Lord. Bruce was just relayed to me a, about a man. I don't know how old he was. I don't know if he was a young man or an old man, old man, young man. And uh, he said he was witnessing to him and he was telling him the truth of the gospel. And the man said, you know what? I've been searching for something like this. I've been, find, I've been reading my Bible. I've been reading my Bible. Uh, brother uh, brother uh, Nathan St. Pierre's dad uh, went all the way to Maine. And it wasn't just with young people. It was with a group of 80 and 90-year-old people that were searching out God. And they, could, they went to church after church after church in Maine. And they could not find anybody to tell them the gospel. And so God used David St. Pierre, who was living in southern Oklahoma, and moved him all the way to Maine to start a church. And he led a little group of 80 and 90-year-old men and women to the Lord, baptized them, saw them get saved, and then they all died within six or seven months. And God established a little church there in Maine. After it was established and another pastor was called, Brother Dave left. You know what? There's a famine in the land, folks, of hearing the word. Of hearing the words. They're looking for it. The young people are looking for it. The, maybe your own children are looking for it. They're asking about it. They might not ask you about it, but they are looking for it. It is there. And, and I ask you this question. Is it there in your house? If your children went to your house and I went to your house or other children went to your house or other people went to your house to seek the word of the Lord, would it be said of you they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it? Or would they find it there? I want us to see how God in his word demonstrates to us here in this passage in Isaiah that parents and all of us in reality should teach our children about God. Number one is this, notice this statement that he says here in verse number 20. He says, though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not the teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. A very interesting word, that word, Hebrew, in the, that word teachers in the Hebrew. Uh, the word teachers in the Hebrew comes from the word rain or to fall down. Uh, the idea of rain falling down out of the clouds, it is the idea of what that is where that word teacher comes from. 
He's relating here this uh, instruction that he's talking about giving here is like rain that is coming down from heaven. He tells them, he says, things are not going to be easy uh, when you get back in the land. Isaiah is a, uh, if I can say this correctly, he's a pre-exilic prophet. That means that he prophesied before Judah went into exile in Babylon, all right? He's pre-exilic, okay? So he's prophesying to them before they go are, are, are exiled into Babylon, and he's letting them know that you're going to go to Babylon, but you're going to come back. But when you come back, guess what? It's not going to be hunky-dory. It's not going to be easy. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's just going to be adversity. It's going to be trials. It's going to be tough times. There's going to be bread of affliction. Going to be water. I should be bread of adversity and water of affliction. The temple is going to be destroyed. The walls will no longer be there. In fact, there's going to be such affliction and adversity. There's going to be famine. There's going to be uh, no water for you to drink. There's going to be enemies on all sides of you. You're going to have to rebuild your fields and rebuild your houses. Let me make this comparison. No one ever said that whenever you had kids and you, got, you had your first child, that they never, I doubt anybody ever came up to you and said, you know what, the next 18 years of your life are going to be the easiest years of your life. You know? Did anybody say that to you? If they did, they were lying to you, right? You know what I mean? Or being extremely sarcastic. It's not going to be. In fact, if any of you are, have been parents longer than 18 years, you'll realize this, that parenting does not go to the age of 18. It goes further. It keeps going on. Some of you have, much, some of you have older children than 18, and you know what? That just keeps on going. You keep being a parent. Those, that role changes a little bit. It looks a little bit different than whenever they were in diapers, okay? I understand that, all right? But it, does, but it is still there. No one's ever said these are going to be easy years. In fact, sometimes uh, uh, it can be some of the most difficult years whenever your child is maybe 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. But whatever the case may be, uh, we all need to understand that those, those years might not be easy, uh, that all of us that are parents have figured that out, that when you have life, uh, when, you have, when you have your kids in your life, that Everything's not a big fair. Everything's not a big circus. You say, my, my, my home's a circus. Well, you know what I'm saying, all right? But the point being is that between husband and wife is that whenever you get married, we should all be talking about our kids. How are we going to raise them? What are we going to do? How are we going to treat them? How are we going to do this? What are we? That should be discussions between husband and wife. That should be uh, thought through. That should be something that is, you are discussing over. It's not something that is just haphazardly done. I, I wish that, uh, don't you wish that when your first child was born that it was also came with an instruction manual, you know? Uh, but I'll tell you right now, there is an instruction manual for raising children. It's right here. It's the Word of God. Teachers are like rain coming down. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from. You know what the key word in that whole entire verse is? It's the word train. 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 Training does not mean just discipline. Do you realize that? Training means encouragement. Training means training. Helping. Assisting. Working with. 
discipline, rebuke, admonition, encouragement, nurturing. And it includes all of it all together. I notice that this, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. It does not say, the church, let the church train up the child in the way he should go. Amen? I've heard people say this before. Well, I took my kids to church. Okay, great. That's awesome. I'm glad you did. But if that's all you ever did, then you're not training. Training is a 24-7. Yes, when you're raising children, it's 24-7. Amen? All right. How many of you woke up? In the, how many of you woke up in the last, I'm just curious, any parent here in the last two or three nights have had to wake up in the middle of the night for one of your kids? One, two, I'm raising my hand. <laughs> Did you two, did you wake up? <laughs> or was that for Pixie? Uh, it's 24-7, folks. It never stops. It never quits. It never gives up. And guess what? Your kid might call you. He might be 25 years old. He might call you at 2 o'clock in the morning. What are you going to do then? You going to talk to him? Going to try to help him with something? You're going to say, I'm too busy. I'm too tired. Go back to bed. Listen, we all need to realize this as parents that we need to train up our children the way they should go. When they, in the way they should go. Proverbs 22, verse number 13 through 15 says, withhold not correction from a child. Don't withhold it from them. Uh, I see in a day and age that we live in today that nobody, it seems like there is a day and age of parents that eh, we don't want to correct children. We don't, we just want to let them be themselves, you know. I'll never forget, I forget where we were at somewhere. I think, uh, I think we were somewhere at somebody's house and, uh, and we kind of snickered or something. I said something to something to the effect. I said, oh man, it was like two or three in the afternoon. And, and uh, I said, man, I, I like those pajamas or something like that to, to a kid. And, and she said, yeah, we just let him decide whatever he wants to wear. He can wear whenever he'd like to and everything. I thought, okay, you know, five years old, just... Just get to do whatever you want to do and live however you want to live. Folks, that's not training. That's not helping a kid out. It's not helping anybody. Say, my kid stays in pajamas till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Are you mad at me? That's not what I'm saying, all right? Okay? Melody has definitely been in pajamas at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, okay? All right? My kids have been in pajamas all day long and gone to sleep in the same pajamas, okay? All right? So don't judge up here, okay? And there's no judgment up here, okay? I'm just saying this. What are we doing? Are you, are you withholding correction? Are you saying, oh, well, we just can't correct our child? The, 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 the King James puts it uh, very interesting for it. It says, withhold not correction from a child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. You know? Wow. That's harsh, you say. Well, it keeps, thou shalt beat him with a rod, and thou shalt deliver his soul from hell. And then it says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, uh, the, but the rod of correction, it driveth it far from him. Now, those aren't fun preaching things anymore. People don't like to talk about those kinds of things anymore. Well, these are laid out for us in the Bible. We're not talking about child abuse or anything like that. We're saying correction, correcting a child. Making sure that that child knows that, that mom and dad, they love them enough to correct them. They love them enough to correct them. 
parents that think that they have never correct their child, that means that they love them, are sadly mistaken. Correction is a part of love. Read Hebrews chapter number 12. And what does, G, what, does, what, does the, what does our very own Lord tell us there? That the reason that he chastises us, it proves out that we are his sons and daughters. It proves us out that we are his sons and daughters. And it proves out that he loves us. If God doesn't chastise us, then to use the King James language says that we are all bastards. We are not his sons. We are not his daughters. Strong language, I understand. But it's there to make a point. But it doesn't stop there. We as parents would be like rain. We are, to be, we are to be training our children. We are to be correcting our children. But also, notice on the heels of that, it says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. You see, some fathers and, and some parents have actually taken that correction stage and they've gone to the provoking of wrath. And they provoke their children to wrath. And it's like they almost uh, get them fired up and get them mad at them. He says, don't do that. Bring them up in the nurture, and the admonition of the word. You know what that word nurture is? It's the word that comes from this idea of nursing. That sounds very, un- do you, do you, are you getting the analogy here? Fathers, fathers, and then it says nurture your children, that, nurse them. I thought that's what mothers did with their little babies. But do you see the correlation there? The affection that is, that is being promoted in this, in this passage right here? Is that fathers are to be like nursing mothers. They're to be affectionate towards their children. They're not supposed to be brash and harsh and hard and, and, to be, and to be down on them all the time and pointing their finger at them and being mad and upset all the time. Because why does he tell us that to fathers? Because fathers are oftentimes ones that are going to be brash and harsh and pointing, putting, putting, putting people down. That's the natural tendencies of most men. And so we are to go against those natural tendencies and live according to the Spirit of God. We're like rain. The aged women also, he says, he says you shall teach them to, that they should be sober to love their husbands and to love their children. To love their children. Women are to be taught to love their children. Love their children. This is all part of what it means for us whenever we are to be instructing our children in the Lord. Parents should be teaching their children about God. The world is spiritually dead. The world doesn't have anything to offer your children. It has nothing. That means that you as a parent need to make very a parent or parents need to make very conscious decision on who you allow to influence your children. Who are you going to allow to influence your child? What teacher are you going to allow to influence your child? What person are you going to allow to influence your child? Because many times when you bring in an outside person to influence your child, that influence could have more influence on that child than you may ever have. So you better be careful on who you allow to influence your children. Be careful. Karis and I made decisions early on. I know that not all of us had the luxury of doing that. But praise God, maybe that some of us are raising up some children that will be able to make decisions like that with another Christian spouse. And say, you know what? We want to be able to raise our children this way. We want to do this. We want to do that. We made some very solid decisions whenever we were just dating, just engaged, I should say. 
And then some of you in this building might be on the remodel side. You started out one way and now you're having to revamp some things. Don't ever be ashamed of that. You know what's going to happen in your home whenever you revamp some things, remodel some things? Anybody ever been through a remodel project in a house before? That's painful. That's painful. I'll never forget remodeling our kitchen on Carlo Drive and everything. I had just, we had just done everything that we were doing, and we had, we had, we were, I was putting in the last cabinet. And my wife, with her women's intu- woman's intuition, looks at me and says, it doesn't need any more screws. I said, just one more screw. I'm famous for that, aren't I, sweetheart? Just one more screw. Just one more. Just one more. And I put that one more screw in, and you know what? I heard that delightful noise. You know what that is? That's water, yeah. All right. That's a plumber's worst sound right there. And it just starts coming out. Water starts coming out from underneath the cabinet and everything. You know what I mean? And I had to pull it all off and everything. That was before I really knew what I was doing in plumbing. I had to call my buddy, and he had to come over there and fix it. It was at the, like the worst possible spot you could possibly put a screw in, the, in there. And uh, anyhow, it messes up your life for a little bit, remodeling does, okay? I mean, it just messes your life up for a little while. Listen, but you know what? On the back side of that, on the back side of the remodel, Things look a lot nicer. I mean, the cabinets that we had in there, I mean, they were ugly. They were wretched. Uh, They were falling apart. They were horrible. Here's the thing, folks, is that when you're raising children, sometimes you and your wife or sometimes you you as a parent have to just stop and realize, you know what, we've been kind of doing some things wrong lately. And number one, you have to be humble enough to admit it. And number two, you have to have courage enough to admit it to your children. And number three, you have to have the courage to follow through. And it's not going to be very pretty at first. It's not going to be very fun. It's not going to be very exciting. You're going to face backlash. Well, we never did it like that before. Why are we doing it like that? Because it's what the Bible says. It's what we believe. It's what God teaches us. We want to do what God says to do. We want to honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. And so, teachers. Teachers. He says these teachers will not be removed. You might be a grandparent. You might be a parent. You might be a a mentor in somebody's life. And I pray that you will be one that will be able to raise them up and to help them. And that you will be a teacher like rain coming down, falling down just at the right time for their instruction, for their help. Parents are to teach their children about God. And secondly, they are to be teachers, but they are also to be like a guide. Now, I've been on several different tours. One of my favorite tours I ever took was in the Cumberland Caverns in, in Tennessee. It was a great tour. Uh, a lot of times, tours today are not even guided by tour guides. You know one thing I hate about that? Is that you never get the inside scoop. You know what I mean? You always have to push the little button. Half the time, the little button doesn't even work, you know? But we were in the Cumberland Caverns, and this girl that took us on this 
um, was with our youth group in Tennessee, took us on this, on this little guided tour. Her daddy was a tour guide 60, for 60 years. So this girl knew a lot. She knew things about the cavern that nobody else knew. She had been in the places of the clay cave that nobody else had been. You know what? That's very true about you as a parent and you as a guide. Is that you've been to places that your children have never been to. And they need a tour guide. They don't need, and you know what? And I'll just, and I don't put down the office of a pastor or a preacher. But they don't need they don't need just somebody just to say, you know what, I'm going to bring them to church and let them push a button and let them hear something and then go home. They need it to be lived out in front of them on a daily basis. They need a tour guide. They need somebody to guide them through their life. They need somebody to walk behind them. There's no harm in thinking that, well, I shouldn't be walking behind my children. I should be walking in front of them. No, listen, uh, invariably, when I would go on a camping trip with my dad, I would always get in front of him on the trail. Always. I would always run way ahead of him. And, in very, and I can always remember my dad saying, son, wait up. Or, son, you're going the wrong way. What was he doing? He was guiding me. He was leading me from behind. And oftentimes, that's the way we are with our parents, or as parents with our children. We need to be guiding them. It's not the church's job. It's not somebody else's job. It's not the public education's job. It's not, the, uh, it's, not a Becca, it's not a Becca book. It's not anybody's job. But it's put back on the parent to lead and to guide their children in the right and godly ways. Now, one way to do that is to bring them to church. One way to do that is to pray with them. One way to do that is to read the Bible to them. Those are very encouraging and good ways to lead your children, no doubt about it. But training and guiding must be on a daily basis. He says here, he says, the voice is saying to them, this is the way, walk ye in it. You say, what if my child doesn't hear me when I say that? What if my child doesn't hear me when I say that? Well, you know what? Then they may suffer the consequences for it. They may suffer the consequences for it. To flip the role, one time my dad got in front of me. And... He was walking down a path, and he almost stepped right on a rattlesnake. And I said, Dad, stop, stop. He heard me and stopped. If he hadn't listened to me, he'd have stepped right on that rattlesnake and have bit him. Sometimes a child does not listen to their mom or dad. And sadly, that is the case sometimes. But you know what? We as parents should not, should not be in the case that we should say, at least I told them. At least I warned them. It, it might break your heart to see them in their life right now. And some of you right now, it probably hurts your heart to see what your children are going through right now. But don't stop telling them. 
Don't stop whispering to them. Don't stop even sometimes yelling at them, if you will. Don't stop telling them the truth and the God. Don't ever think to yourself, well, I have just said too much. And no, don't ever do that. No, keep on keeping on. Stay with it. Don't give up. That's our duty as a parent. It's our duty to help them and encourage them to stay on the right path. Because it's no doubt they will get off the right, the, the right path. Don't tr- stop trying to redirect. That might take discipline for some of your younger ones. That might take courage for some of your older ones. That might mean that you appreciate them in some other cases. That might you give instruction in other cases. And in other cases and in many cases and in all cases, it should mean that you pray for them. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we must be a church and we must be a family, we must be parents that are going to say, you know what, I don't want to live in a land of spiritual famine, but I want to produce, even if there are spiritual famines around me, I want to produce some spiritual fruit, and I don't know if I can reach the world, I'll try my best, I'll give to missions, I'll give to Zimbabwe, I'll, I'll tell my neighbor about Jesus Christ, but you know what, I'm going to make sure I do, I'm going to make sure that I tell my children about the Lord, about the Lord. Adrian Rogers said this one time, and I'll close with this statement. He said that so many times people say that children will make a rich man poor. But that's false. Children make a poor man rich. They make a poor man rich. He said a rich man will never take his riches to heaven. He said, but his testimony was, he said, I'm taking all five of my children to heaven. And that's worth more than all the riches of all the world. And may we, as believers, make an investment into the lives of our children. And I don't mean an investment into a college fund. I don't mean an investment into a future inheritance. I mean an investment into the eternal things of God. By reigning upon them with righteousness... And guiding them in the truths of God's word. Father, we're thankful for the.